Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, we uh, saw two very important and I think encouraging points in, in the first part of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The first point was our growing faith and increasing love for each other should be evident. We've talked a little bit about that in 1 Thessalonians as well. And then on that, piggybacking on that is our growing faith and increasing love for each other comes through enduring trials, effort, and through sacrifice. It doesn't just happen by default because we gather together three times a week. Our growing faith and our love for each other, increasing love for each other, happens because we're putting effort into it. It happens because we go through trials and we endure through those trials and it comes through even sacrifice at times. Sometimes we, we give up what we want uh, for the whole and for our love to increase. And so we'll move on tonight and see what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to be here. We thank you for your word and just the amazing gift that it is that you've given it to us. Um, Lord, we, we look around and, and we listen. There's so many voices and there's so many different opinions and thoughts in the world today, even inside of uh, Christendom. And, and I pray that um, we would be people of the book, Lord, as, as, as your followers have always been known to be, Lord, that we, we turn to you and your word is our, is our foundation. Uh, it is truth, and I pray that that's what we would be, that your spirit uh, would fill us and lead us, and even tonight you would instruct us through the, the Holy Spirit uh, in, in your word. And Lord, again, just use me as a vessel. I pray that you're glorified through all of this and that every single one of us will heed your word and will take it with us and we'll use it. And... Um, You'll be glorified through all of this, God. We ask and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. We left off at verse 6, but I want to look at verse 4 and 5 because I think that we can grab a couple other points uh, leading into verse 6 for this. And so verse 4 says this, uh, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Again, we saw this last week. Paul was going around. They were, they were boasting in all the other churches around the region about the Thessalonian church because of what they were doing, their faith, patience, through all the persecution and tribulation. And then he says this, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which, also, for which you also suffer. Again, we didn't touch on that a whole lot, but it, it, it was very important for us to understand that these Thessalonian believers were suffering for the kingdom of God, and Paul said, you were counted worthy to suffer. For the kingdom of God. Um, and sometimes in our, in our lives, and we touched on this a little bit, uh, we, we can't ever imagine suffering or experiencing persecution for the kingdom of God, for the sake of Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I don't know that any sane person would want to say, I, I want to be tortured. <laughs> I, 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 I want to feel what it feels like to be tortured. And I, and I want to be tortured in a sense that's, that's cruel and unusual. And I want to see uh, my, my, my family, my wife, and my kids um, tortured with, with wild beasts and, and all that. I, I want to experience that. I don't know anybody in their right mind would want to endure the actual physical pain and torture that, that, that comes along with, with severe persecution. Um, but to understand that going through whatever would be persecution for the cause of the kingdom or for Jesus Christ, our Lord would be an honor. And again, in our, in our comfort-seeking minds and lives that we live today, 
Um, that just doesn't sound right or real. Like, why, why would anybody see that as a good thing? Well, the Apostle Paul said, man, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to be, I, I be acquainted with my God who came, left his glorious throne and didn't have to because he's holy, he's righteous, he's perfect. And, and, and he left his holy throne, his perfect place there in, 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 in heaven and he came to this earth and he put on flesh and he was among sinners and among cursing and, and evil and wicked deeds and sinners thrust at him and sinners coming to him. And he was around all of this and he was pure and holy the whole time. And he went to a cross and he died and he suffered a death that all of us deserve, all of the sinners deserve. He did all of that because of his love. And if I can go through anything, any type of suffering or pain or affliction or persecution for his cause, for his kingdom, that's an honor. That's how Paul saw it. That's an honor. I mean, he did something for me. He suffered for me in a way that I could never suffer for him. There's nothing I could ever go through on this earth that would pay him back or could I give back to him, give back to him anything close to what he's done for me and suffering for me. And so to suffer for him, for his kingdom, is an honor. Again, Paul was trying to ex explain that to these Thessalonian believers. Look, you've been counted worthy of the kingdom of God that you're suffering for. But again, he's making clear to these faithful believers that struggle and, 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 and that are specifically going through persecution that what they were going through was a token. It was a token. It was evidence of God's righteous judgment, not only now, but his righteous judgment to come. See, with the faithfulness of these saints here in, Thess in Thessalonica and the oppositions from those who were persecuting them, here's what happened. It made obvious, it made clear a separation between two distinct groups. Number one, group number one, the people of God, the kingdom of God, the followers of Jesus Christ. In this persecution, well, first of all, the faithfulness of these people and then the persecution that they faced from this group of people, it made a distinct line. These people are the people of God. These people are the enemies of God. And this speaks to the importance of several things for us. First of all, I think we need to understand in your notes, number one is faithfulness, regardless of circumstance, separates true believers from the lost. Faithfulness, regardless of circumstance, separates true believers from from the lost. If you've never wrote, uh, wrote <laughs> if you've never read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs or any parts of it, I encourage you to read it. Read it. Get it, do a Kindle or, or or an iPad download if that's what you do. If not, if you say I don't do any of that stuff, I I've got the book. I'll let you I'll let you borrow it. Um, it is it's thick, and I'm not saying you can have to read the whole thing, but it's gripping, and you'll get in it, and you'll keep reading, and you'll keep reading, and you'll keep reading, and you'll hear of all these saints throughout history who have faced severe persecution. Some of them, in some instances, turned their back, denied the faith. Some of them, though, did that, and then went back and recanted their recanting. <laughs> And said, no, I do believe. And it cost them their life. But that's something that's so important. Faithfulness, endurance. Again, it's an attribute of those who truly believe. That one of the separating uh, characteristics for true believers in the lost world. I heard something yesterday, went to a conference, 
And uh, Josh Wilson is, uh, some of you know him, he's on the radio, he's a Christian music artist. And uh, he was talking and sharing some things and he said, uh, he mentioned a book by Eugene Peterson. And the name of the book is this, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And it's about discipleship in an instant society. The title of the book is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And the subject is discipleship, true discipleship in an instant society. And that's what we live in. We live in an instant society. I mean, you can throw ramen noodles in the microwave and three minutes later, you have a Chinese dish. You know, not really Chinese dish, but you have ramen noodles. I mean, you can, you can make, you know, macaroni and cheese in a couple minutes and you can, you know, you can heat up all kinds of stuff in the microwave and you can turn your car on and most of the time it starts. And, and, and you know, all these things, we have this, these instant, we have this instant society where even in our spiritual life, we expect things to happen like that. Even, even like that we were talking about this, um, uh, this living hope that we're going to go through in a few weeks. Uh, I, I mean, to me, in my mind, this makes sense. Let's do it now. It's needed now, right now. This is great information. Our church needs to hear it. Our church needs to know how to minister. And God would not give me peace. And, and there, again, situations coming to me. Hey, this is a problem. What do we do? And I'm like, man, we're going to cover this in church as soon as God gives me freedom, as soon as he tells me to do it. Our mindset sometimes is, is man, it just needs to happen when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I mean, that's how it needs to work in my life. And that's not it. That's not how spiritual growth happens either. That's not how the thing, that's not how God works. Sometimes God moves like that. But along obedience in the same direction, in a world full of now, 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 now. In that type of a world. We have to understand that the Christian race is a marathon. That's supposed to be given a sprinter's effort. effort. That's what it is. It's an endurance race. But we are to be giving a sprinter's effort. Just like we saw a couple weeks ago in ThemeCast. I mean, just like or before ThemeCast. When we saw the, the, that, that pushing towards the finish line. That, that's how we're supposed to live our life. Giving every effort, every minute, like we're finishing the race. That's how it's supposed to be done. But we have to do that understanding that it's an endurance race. And that's hard to do. The kind of effort that it takes to be that faithful to, to, to be like these Thessalonians, the type of endurance that it requires, it doesn't sway with the tides of circumstance. So I think that we're so oftentimes knocked off track, even to the point of getting disenchanted with church stuff. But if that's the case, we're missing it altogether. And the reason I say that is because when I say church stuff, I mean, that's the place that we're at. We're looking at, looking at it like stuff versus community and communion with God, with the head of the body and with the body itself. And the body, of course, is us. When it begins to be church stuff, when, it, when it's just about a, a church service, when it's just about that and that, then faithfulness is affected by circumstances. But when we have a true understanding and we have a true uh, re a relationship about uh, a true understanding about our effort and our endurance and, 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 and we have this right mindset and right heart set, then again, we're running this marathon race with the sprinter's effort and circumstances don't knock us off that. Because everything about 
our lives on this earth has to do with communion with God in his body. Not only that, with community. How our lives work inside the body and the kingdom of Christ inside of this temporal world, that's what it becomes about. That's how we can keep pushing on. Paul again committed their faithfulness and their endurance despite their struggles, despite the persecution, despite all the earthly trials that we talked about last week, all the the, the health problems and all of the, the struggles financially and relationally, they had it all. They also had persecution on top of that. But he was commending their faithfulness, he was commending their their way of life, and he was saying in this that this was showing your separation from the world to Christ, which again was a blessing and suffering, he says. Be counted worthy to suffer for the king who paid it all. It's amazing. And not only this, their togetherness, their unity, this, this Thessalonian church was a great example it did something. And it still does something today. And that's point number two. Their togetherness, their unity, tells the lost that the kingdom of God is real and it's worth being a part of. Unity today in the church of Jesus Christ still says that same exact thing, that the kingdom of God is real I mean, that's, that's the problem of Jesus' day. He came, and, and, and the kingdom of, of, of heaven is nigh. The kingdom of God is, is near. Um, and, and again, John the Baptist was preparing the way of the Messiah, and he was saying the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. All those things, and when Jesus comes preaching the kingdom, people had a, a completely skewed mis, uh, understanding and misunderstanding about what the kingdom was. They thought he was going to come in, kick out the Roman authorities, and they were going to have their own Jewish Israeli authority once and for all out of the uh, out of the 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 rule of of oppression and Jesus was you you got it wrong I'm not just your king I'm the king of the world I'm the king of kings it's not just about this I've come to set up a kingdom in the hearts of men the unity of the church tells the lost world that it's real, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is real. And not just that, again. Man, I want to be a part of that. It's real, and it's worth being a part of. Let me ask a question. What does it tell the world about conversion? Somebody's life being converted. What does it tell the lost world about the new birth? What does it tell the lost world about regeneration? What does it tell the lost world about being saved or salvation or transformation? What does it tell the lost world about these things when professing believers, kingdom of God, church of Jesus Christ, what does it tell them when those of us who are professing believers who are following Christ, I did it in quotes, who are following Christ, but we're following Christ separately? And we're following him in different directions. Sometimes completely different directions. What does that tell the lost world? It tells them it's not worth pursuing. It tells them it's not worth being a part of. 
let alone surrendering their lives, surrendering their control, surrendering everything to, to Jesus who's leading this group of people who are going completely separate directions and, and doing their own thing. It tells the lost world, that's, that's a hoax. <laughs> it tells the lost world, there are, there are sports teams that have more unity than that. There are organizations that have more unity and focus and vision together more than that. The team at your job has more unity than that group of people. So why would someone want to follow someone else who apparently leads their followers in various directions versus one? See, ultimately, our, our separate pages and, and, well, I don't think faithfulness is important. I, I think this and that. And we kind of have our own directions and, and ways of following Jesus, which is not what Jesus intended. He made it very plain what he intended of his followers to do, which was to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And when the lost world looks at the church defining following Jesus, however they want to define it, not looking to his word, not surrendering all, not being together, not having the unity that the Thessalonian believers had, when the lost world looks at that, they say, I, I, I mean, Jesus, either number one, is not real, or number two, he's not a very good leader. Or, those people don't know how to follow their leader. Either way, I don't want to be a part of that. You wonder sometimes why conversions at a, at a higher rate that used to happen aren't happening anymore. Maybe it's because the people who claim to follow Jesus Christ aren't following him together. And the world looks just like we saw that video on Sunday. The world looks and, and says, yeah. I think I would rather be a part of this, this church, which is more of a social group. Because it's carnal. And it's enticing. And I feel like I need to be a part of something. And that fits my life. When our call as the church, as the church, the whole word church, called out from to something, someone. Out of the world to Jesus. That's what it should look like. All of us together. But why would someone want to follow Jesus if that's what they see in the, in the followers of Jesus? What I said a while ago about the different directions. Many of those directions look very similar to the direction that that person's already going. Why do they need to change? Not. I know Christians that don't do this. I know Christians that do this. I know Christians that aren't always this. I know Christians that are, I don't know that people are going to find mistakes and people are going to look for things and I understand that. But so many times the, 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 the pressing believers of Jesus Christ give the lost world so much to go off of by way of excuses. Well, I know, I know some people who, I have friends that they, they call themselves Christians and 
they rarely ever blank or they're never blank or they're always this or they talk like this or they go this or they do that why would why would someone want to do that the answer they wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't that's just the truth see the church is the vehicle of the gospels i've said many times before that's what god ordained that's what he called that's what, that's what he commissioned so we together all of us together are light. Please hear this. I'm going to give you an illustration. All of us together are light, just as we are also individual lights that cooperate together with a unified purpose to be light as the church, all as one. Many people don't know what uh, a full array LED TV is. Some people do. Anybody know what a full array LED TV is? You can raise your hand over there, brother. I know you do. Anybody else? Raise your hand if you do. Nobody? Never heard of it. Yeah. Can't use it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm going to show you something in just a second, and, and, I, and I, I want you to look at the illustration when we get to it. Um, but a lot of people know what an LED TV is, and they say, oh, man, it's lighter, it's clearer, it's, it's, it's brighter, it's... it's, it's I mean, it's all these things. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's great. And what they're talking about when they talk about these, these LED TVs is the brilliance of the picture. They're, they talk about, I mean, man, what, a, what an amazing picture and how sharp the image is. And, and they see the, the, the picture, the outward display of what this is, what they're watching. What they don't understand is it's actually a cooperative design that they're observing. That's, what they're, that's what's beautiful to the eye. That's what is enticing to purchase. That's what is, I, I have to have some of this. I mean, this is an amazing TV. That's, that's the draw, is, is the brilliance of, of this cooperative design working together to, to portray and to project this picture that is beautiful, that's brilliant, that's, that's bright, all those things that, that people love LED TVs for. But here's a simple illustration of a full array LED TV right there. It's way more complex, but that's, that, that's why I said a simple illustration. I said, what is a, what is a, a full array LED display? All those little diodes represent, or little lights represent LEDs, um, which is light-emitting diode, right? Is it? Yeah? Amen. Good. I'm looking at Clay because that's what he does. <laughs> he does a lot more than that. But um, So each one of those little lights give off a light, but they all work together with circuits and and microchips and, and boards and, and all this kind of stuff. But each light has a purpose in this, this full array here. And then you got something in between that and then you got a screen. And what this does is give us our brilliant, bright, and they say, I guess, probably the best uh, of the LEDs. Um, but I want you to look at those little lights back there. Each one of those little lights is contributing. Each one of them 
is lighting. It's playing a role for the whole display. To give that brilliant image, to give that brilliant picture. For the person to walk up in Walmart, to walk up in Best Buy, walk up wherever and see the picture and say, wow, that's an awesome picture. I really want that. It's a similar illustration for the unity of the church. So what happens if a few of those LEDs aren't working or they're not lighting up together with the other ones? You, you turn it on and you turn it to Channel 4 News or whatever, you, you, and that's what you expect, and then there's some spots missing in the screen. It's distorted. It's not as beautiful as what you saw in the store. It's not, it's not what attracted you. It's not what brought you in. It's, it's a little frustrating. It's not what it is supposed to be. What if they stop working altogether? What if they never lit? And every time you looked at that screen, it would be distorted. It wouldn't be what it was supposed to be. I want you to see, too, that Paul wasn't scolding the Thessalonian believers for the attacks that they were waging on each other. It, it wasn't that they were facing this division from within, not like the Corinthian church. And there may have been some struggles that they had, of course, relational things that were going on, but Paul wasn't admonishing them for this. They weren't attacking each other. They weren't divisive. They weren't doing those things. He was addressing and commending their faithfulness together as a body. They were working together. Their faith was known abroad. Their, their love for each other was growing. It, it, it was a beautiful thing. Again, this points back to what we saw in our theme cast service. Christ's prayer for his church then, his prayer for his church now, that they may be one. Why? Why? Why is it so important? Jesus said that the world may know that you sent me. That the world sees the beautiful picture. The world gets the brilliant light. The world gets the full picture of what it is to be in the kingdom of God. Look on in verse 6 now. We move on to the last point. This last section here, verse 6. Seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that, they, uh, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. This is a, an encouraging thing similar to Psalm chapter 37 and Psalm chapter 73, uh, where it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. There's going to come a day that judgment comes to those who are evil, who reject Jesus Christ, who do the wicked deeds in this world, who hurt people and, and all that kind of stuff. There's coming a day of judgment. That's what this is speaking to, too. And so it's a, it's a, it's a bit of uh, peace for us, knowing that evil is going to be dealt with one day in the judgment. But it also should be a very sobering thing and a, and a very um, uh, reality check thing for us. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to be revealed from heaven, and he's coming with flaming fire, 
taking vengeance upon those who didn't believe God, didn't obey the gospel. Why is it so vital that we are like that full array LED? Why is it so vital that we each are shining our light, that we are unified in this purpose, that we are all following Jesus Christ the same way? I mean, it, 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 you know, the, the one in the right top corner is, it has a different role than the one in the bottom corner. Because if you're watching a sports game, it would be weird if all of them were doing the same exact thing. You wouldn't see the full game. But they all have to light up. They all have to perform and work in synchrony with, with everything else to give us the, the image and to see what it's supposed to be. And, and, and what's at stake is those who aren't believing, those who are not obeying the gospel right now, those who are doing all this evil... That's what's at stake because Jesus is coming back with flaming fire to take vengeance upon those who don't believe. What does it mean for those who oppose God? What's well, anybody who's opposing his church, just like the people that were uh, persecuting the Thessalonian believers, his men, his word? To oppose God and oppose the things of God is one and the same. I was speaking with someone this morning uh, on, on the phone, and I was encouraging them um, in this area because um, they were facing some attack from professing believers. And I was talking to this gentleman, and um, you know, this, this standing at ought, I mean, this, this outstanding problem with another believer. Refusing to reconcile, refusing uh, to, uh, to have that unity. Fostering division. Either number one, they're saved. Here's, here's, the, here's the scenarios. If, if someone is in that situation and they're not wanting to reconcile, they're, not, they're, they're, they're fostering division, they are at odd, they're standing at odd, they have standing odd with, with another brother or with the church or with the pastor or with, with, with the word of God or whatever, if they're professing belief or, you know, whatever, number one, they're saved, but they're doing this, and as they're doing this, they are being chastised, and they will be chastised by the Lord. Number one, and the reason why is because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son, he disciplines every son whom he receiveth. But he says, If you endure chastening, uh, chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what is a son? Is, uh, what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement or discipline, whereof, uh, whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. You're illegitimate. You don't have a father, he's not your father. If, you're, if you can go on in this life and you can have a problem with God, with his men, with his church, with his word, and you can have it outstanding, and you can do that without correction from God, the Father, whose body you're, you're attacking, you have a problem with, something's wrong. You're illegitimate. You can't, you can't deviate from the Father's direction and his will and not experience the correction of God. I think sometimes people look at even the circumstances of their life, and I think the true child of God, when we're out of the will of God and we're walking in disobedience to the Lord, I believe when those circumstances come in our life, we know immediately, God is disciplining me. 
God's getting my attention. He's trying to wake me up. He's trying to bring me back. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this. And, and, or I haven't been this. And, and God's been trying to speak to me subtly along the way. I've been ignoring it. And now he's doing this. I believe we know that when that happens. Sometimes we're in the path of obedience. We're doing everything we can to follow Jesus Christ. And then something comes upon us. And we're like, is this God chasing me? And, and we know. I, I, don't, I don't know of anything that God would be chasing me for. I don't know anything he would be correcting me for. And so then we realize I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a test. God's allowing this in my life to prove me and to grow me. There's a difference. I believe, I believe I've experienced both and know very well what both feel like. And they can be very similar in the nature of, of the, the, the uh, either correction or trial. But I think that we know when it is. In Job chapter 5, verse 17, Job's rehearsing and said, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. He's blessed when God corrects him. Therefore despise not the chastening of the Almighty, for he maketh sore, but then he binds up. He wounds, and his hands make whole. It's like that father, like me, when I've had to spank our girls. I don't like it, but the discipline is necessary. And so uh, when, when it happens and, they, and, and they're broken and they're crying and, and, and I know their rear end hurts, <laughs> I immediately hold them. And I explain, you know this is for a reason. I don't like to do this. But I do this because I love you. And I want you to understand this, the severity of what you've done or what you've not done. And bind up the wounds. But God does it in a way more loving, a way more just way than we as earthly parents could ever do, but that, that's number one, saved and, and, and are being or will be chastened by the Lord. And number two, these people are actually lost. These people who stand with, with standing ought, these people who are okay with division in the church, these people who are attacking the church, God, things of God, the men of God, all those things, either number one, that's what they are, or number two, they are lost and they will face judgment. They'll possibly face judgment now in this life and also at the great white throne of judgment. Which is a, a difficult thing to understand because he, here's what happens to us. We find out something on the news. Somebody's done something really bad to somebody else, a, a child, a woman, or whatever. And, and, and we think, oh, man, they need to rot. But that's, that's disgusting. That's, that's, they, they are getting what they deserve. Listen, that's one of the reasons why God sets up judgment. You can read the scripture, and that's what he says, uh, to, to deal with evil men. Um, and so that, that's part of the justice of God and, and the judgment of God, even in this temporal world. So evil men, and somebody said, what about those people who do bad things to people and they never get found out, they never go to court, they never get punished, they A severe judgment is coming with flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them. There's nothing that we could do, no court in this land that could ever do anything to them, to the severity of what God will bring in his, in his judgment. That will be an everlasting, the Bible says, judgment. Again, this will be much more than anything we could ever do. Anything that we deem as appropriate payback, this flaming fire will be much more. Romans chapter 12, verse 17, so it says this, Recompense no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest, sincere. Be sincere in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much life in you, live peaceably with all men. There it is. Now he's talking to Christians. I mean, so lost people don't get that. Christians, we should get that. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Don't try to repay people, but rather give place to wrath, because it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hungry, then feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing, 
so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome evil of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then the final scripture tonight is this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Similar to what we were talking about with that full array. That unity, that oneness, that one purpose, that one mind, that one heart. That, that, why? Why is it so important? Because lost people are going to experience the vengeance of God one day if the church doesn't get serious about being the church today in 2018. That, that's, what's on, that's what's on the line. We are supposed to be displaying this radiant light that is not our own light, but a light that's been put inside of us. We ought to be doing it together. It's supposed to be something that the world looks at and says, that is different than anything else in the world. Those people live with a, a drive and a purpose and they do it together. That's something that is intriguing to me. They, it, they are peculiar people. They are separated from this world. I want to know more about that. He says, be of one mind. And then he goes on and says this, having compassion one of another and love as brethren. Love like your brothers and sisters. With sincere love. Be pitiful. Be courteous. And then he says it again. God's word. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Somebody jumps on your case. Somebody chews you out, railing. Somebody gives you the right act. Don't return that. Matter of fact, Peter even mentions that the Lord, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. We know he didn't. They mocked him. They spit on him. They told him to prophesy. They, they, they did all these things, and, and, and they... They challenged him, and he could have done anything or said anything, and he didn't. He took it for us. But it says, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that, there, that ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days. Hey, you want to bless life? You, you want to experience a blessed life? This is what it says. Let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile, no falsehood. Let him eschew evil. Let him hate and push it away from him and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So again, when we see that someone is inside of the professing believers or, or they're, they're professing to follow Jesus Christ, they're a part of the church, and they are okay with division. They are okay with, with having aught with their brother. They're okay with these outstanding problems. If somebody is like that, there is a problem with that. Because the children of God, the Bible says, blessed are the, peacemaker, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We've been given the peace of God. We're supposed to seek peace and live in it. And he goes on, for the eyes of the Lord are open, are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Everlasting judgment is coming to those who oppose God. So I pray that we as the people who claim to follow Jesus Christ would not stand in opposition to God, which means not standing in opposition to his church, which means not standing in opposition to his word. 
I pray that we wouldn't do that. Why? Because then we're lining up with people who are opposed to God. I mean, uh, if so, I, I just don't think I want to do that. I, I don't think that that's right. Look, then you're a diode that's not operating with the rest of us. And something's wrong with that. A challenge to us tonight is this, that we would be that. That we would look at this Thessalonian church once again. And, and, and as Paul told them, look, there's coming a judgment on those who are opposing God, who are, who are against God, who oppose His word and are doing evil, who are even persecuting you. There's coming a judgment on them. And right before that, again, commending them for their faithfulness and their endurance and their love and, and their togetherness. And I pray that we would take these examples and these lessons from this church and say, you know what? I, I want to be, I want to I shine my light. I want to be a part of, of the whole brilliance of the picture. I, I want to do that. I, I don't want to just be some, some diode that's on the panel, but not a part of what the purpose is of the panel. Never lighting or never lighting in sync with what the picture is supposed to be. I pray that we would say, you know what, I, I, I want to do it all. I want to be all in. And tonight I want to ask you to stand. And hopefully these three points as the musician make, make, makes his way. Hopefully these are an encouragement or a challenge to you. And um, the Lord will just lead you to respond however and, and you'll respond the right way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again tonight. And thank you for this reminder, uh, this, uh, these, these points. Well, thank you again for allowing us to look at the Thessalonian church as an example. Lord, I know that they weren't perfect. I know that they weren't sinless. Um, that, that's not at all what they were. But we see is the course of their life and the testimony that they had in their lives together was that they were together. And they loved each other sincerely and that they were working together. They were working through the struggles that they had. They were working through the persecution they were facing. And they were being used of you in a great way in the world. And I pray that that would be a testimony of Trinity Baptist Temple, Lord, that we too would be together, that we'd be working together, that we'd work together through our struggles, that even if persecution comes, we will still continue to be that church that you called us to be, together, shining the light, as we know one day judgment is coming. Lord, we know that you'll break through the sky and you'll bring judgment upon the earth. You'll bring judgment upon evil and wickedness and sin. It'll be too late. And so, Lord, I pray that um, we would take heed and we'd respond. We praise you for this, Lord. We ask you to move now in Jesus' name.